Welcome back to the Gridiron Gang Podcast, Week 5 Review Show. Eli, back in business with my co-host, Jesse. Yeah. And we're here to break it all down for you. Sorry for the week of absence. I was on my deathbed. I fought my way back, battled hard, stayed focused, stayed diligent, took my notes, paid attention, and we're back here to break down the Monday Nighter, first of all. Green Bay, Las Vegas, 17-13 final for the Raiders. To probably a couple people's surprise, I would have to imagine. But to no one's surprise, this was a dog shit football game between two teams very much struggling to find identity in this football season. We're talking a young quarterback going through growing pains with a young team. Jordan Love, we're still unsure of his potential. We're not sure if he's ever going to fulfill his potential, but he certainly did not do so on this Monday night game, throwing three interceptions in his first game, being held off the score sheet with no touchdown passes. My main takeaway from this was this was a battle of attrition between two teams and one team just simply wanted it more on one side of the ball and that was the Raiders defensively stepping up multiple times throughout the game and they were led once again by that guy Max Crosby number 98 Jesse yeah he was an absolute game wrecker um all game long you know I think he is the sole reason that the Raiders actually won the football game um just want to list this off really quickly most games with four plus QB pressures in the last three seasons Led by Max Crosby, 23, second, Nick Bosa, 18, and then also tied for second, Mika Parsons with 18. So that just shows you how dominant Max Crosby has been over the last few seasons. And it's kind of weird, Eli, that he's never really mentioned in the same category as those guys, even though season after season he just displays his dominance, whether it's tackling people for loss, just causing havocs, pressures, sacks, etc. He's such a difference maker. And uh, like I said, he was all over the place. And the Packers don't really have uh, a Max Crosby of their own. I mean, Rashawn Gary is still coming off that ACL. And I think that was ultimately what led to Vegas winning the game, a close defensive battle. Yeah, they certainly don't have a Max Crosby. But what they do have is a leader, a supposed leader, Jer Alexander, openly calling out his offense after the game, which is never a good look. And that's that's usually a sign of distress in the locker room, of distress of where their season's headed. You can't make comments like that about a young offense, the offense that's struggling and battling out there, even though it wasn't their best game. You can't say that you can't even expect to not allow a touchdown. That's that's a that's a bad look, Jesse. I'm yeah. not a big fan of someone who has so much experience coming out bashing his team like that. I'm not a fan of that. Especially like like you said, a leader of their football team. He's he's arguably the best player on their football team, and and that's just not good. Like the it's the youngest team in the league, and it's a very very young offense led by Jordan Love, who's like doesn't even have ten starts to his name. So I wonder what that does for the confidence of the offense. You know, they're also without their most dynamic player, Aaron Jones. So it's just a tough situation for them. You know, they got the bye coming up, and hopefully Aaron Jones can get back out there. Christian Watson was looking a little bit more explosive than he was in his first game back. So I want to continue to see them get the ball to him. Um, Jimmy G, though, again, he's, he's through his seventh interception. He's now leads the league with seven interceptions and he's only played in four games. You know, he missed the game last week. Aiden O'Connell made his first start and that's got to be a little bit troubling for uh, Josh McDaniels and company. That's not what they brought him over for to to lead the league in interceptions. Even though I know they won the game, still a little bit worrisome in my opinion, Eli. Yeah, I agree with that. And also a worrisome 
was the fact that Devontae Adams just was invisible in this football game for large parts, and this was a big revenge game for Devontae Adams against the Packers. You would think there'd be a sense of emphasis to get him more involved in the offense, especially with their run game uh, largely struggling yet again with uh, Josh Jacobs' uh, 20 carries, 69 yards. That's barely averaging over three yards a carry. I mean, he's he's really struggling to get going behind that offensive line. And you could tell Adams at times was very disengaged in the offense. Like I saw him a number of times when it was clearly not his play and he's barely even running his route. And he has full, you know, he, he fully knows he's out of the play basically on the play call. So I, I found that a little bit shocking. I saw that probably two to three times in, yeah, in that game no for sure and and it just for for me I continue to question why they kind of let go of Derek Carr and brought in Jimmy G just because not saying Derek Carr is a world beater I know I know you're not the biggest fan of him right now but what Jimmy G doesn't do is throw the ball outside of the numbers he throws the ball over the middle and Devontae Adams is a primarily an outside x receiver and you know him and Aaron Rodgers and him and Derek Carr had a lot had a lot of success throwing outside the numbers and Jimmy G just doesn't do that. You can see there's some plays where he's open and he's not getting the ball and Jimmy G just seems to love throwing like those little quick hitters to Jacoby Myers. They they try to get their tight ends a little bit more involved, but I did see that they did double Devontae Adams quite a bit. You could I'm sure Matt LaFleur was like I know how good this guy is. We're not going to let him beat us. It's got to be someone else. Yeah, no, you did see that quite a bit for sure. And and to speaking of those outside throws, like you say, he's a target out there. And you saw so many times in years past of Aaron Rodgers just simply giving his guy the chance, like no matter what. But that comes into question Jimmy G's arm strength to even get the ball out to those That's situations too. Because you could see even open throws downfield. Jimmy G hesitates at times because I, I believe he knows that his arm is lacking in strength compared to a lot of elite throwers in the NFL. I think that's a very good point you make. Yeah, I do want to I do want to shout out to Robert Spillane. I mean, career night for him. He had one pick in his whole life coming into that game. He had two massive interceptions in that game. It's got to be the tinted visor. Yeah, I mean, he, he was repping it. He couldn't see him. He couldn't see a damn thing. Yeah. And he was reading the eyes all day long, apparently, man. But, that uh, uh, first interception was hilarious. It was. <laughs> just threw it right to him yeah. like he thought he was the check down or something it, it was pretty wild yeah it's like he saw the wrong uniform there for a second but yeah i do want to show him because no, that's yeah. obviously a huge game for him whale of a game for yeah him. uh yeah and that that was largely the difference in this game i believe was the the three turnovers from jordan love ultimately was the price of this game in such a low scoring scrappy affair so I mean, the Raiders, like, it, was, it wasn't pretty, but they got the win, and a win's a win in the NFL, as we all know, and they're and, they're now rolling in to play the Patriots. Yeah, are, and everybody was kind of thinking that that defense would be the weak, the weak link of the, of the team heading into the season, but as you mentioned, they can't find their identity on offense. They're not running the ball well. They're turning the ball over a lot in the passing game, and the defense is actually playing extremely well while they try to figure out what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, they're carrying them for large parts. I, I completely agree with that. And they're they're going up against a woeful offense next week with a little bit of momentum now. So you got to think they're feeling pretty good about their chances uh, heading in to take on the Patriots next week. And that's going to be a bye week for the Green Bay Packers who are going to go back to the drawing board and try to figure things out for this offense and for Jordan Love to get comfortable. Uh, another primetime game that we were all highly anticipating leading into the week was the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of people talking about NFC championship impl impl implications in this one. And uh, 
yeah, it did not turn out that way. It turned out to be a, yet another dominant display from a very, very talented football team that came ready to play and came ready to make a big point. And the point was that these two teams are not on the same level right now. No, they're not. And you could just tell that from the opening whistle. I mean, Dallas and their bullshit basic West Coast offense, Texas Coast offense, whatever they want to call it, it's a joke, man. It's you know, they're not moving CeeDee Lamb around. They're not really targeting him that much. They're kind of trying to spread the ball around. Can't run the ball all that great, especially against that athletic front seven of the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, I also just thought that Sunday might might have been the worst game of Dak Prescott's career. I mean, I, I can honestly say that. I've watched a lot of his games. Three interceptions. Four, like the one where he threw it deep, he just, it's like he was trying to get it all back in one play, threw it to absolutely no, to Sean Gibson, like there was no cowboy near it. And, you know, he said coming into the year, he wasn't going to throw 10 interceptions and he threw three in one game. He's got four now. And it just, it just like, I have to ask the question, does he have what it takes to lead them over the hump and get them to where they want to go, where Jerry Jones thinks this team is capable of going? See, and that that's, that's the thing for me, Jesse, is that I think they see themselves at a different standard than what they truly are and what they truly operate at. And that goes to the deepness of the personnel, for me personally. Besides from CeeDee Lamb, you're not seeing any impact from any other receiver. They're not utilizing the speed of Cooks. They're not utilizing the talent of Michael Gallup. He's a great receiver. He makes a lot of catches. He doesn't drop a lot of balls. Contested they're, catches. They're too. not getting him the opportunity to make plays for this team. And I, I really believe Tony Pollard is just being like grossly misused. I understand this game was a blowout, and you're not going to be running the ball in a blowout. But for large por- portions of the Dallas Cowboys offense, I believe he's got to be the guy, the primary guy, to, to make this 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 boat go for them. Because it's like for me, I I'm looking at it the same way as you. It's like we've seen a lot of Dak Prescott now. We've seen a lot of good and a lot of bad. We've we've really seen everything that he has to offer. And I I don't know if he's a guy that could gunsling them to any type of uh, playoff run or championship. No. So Pollard has to be instrumental going forward for yeah, this team. Yeah, I mean, the last the, the last three times they played San Francisco, you know, I think they scored 12 points in the playoff game. They scored another 12 points. And they talked all this stuff about how, you know, they're much improved and they're on their level. And then they scored 10 points in a blowout. I mean, those other games were at least close. This one wasn't close at all. And uh, you just look at what, what Sam Fran and Kyle Shanahan is cooking up for his offensive players. All the motion, moving people around. Debo's in the backfield. Christian McCaffrey's in the slot. Ayuk's out wide. Ayuk's in the slot. They're getting Kittle going with trick plays. And then you watch what Mike McCarthy's offense looks like on Dallas, and it's just so stagnant. It's slants. It's checkdowns. Too predictable. Yeah, there's no creativity. There's no juice. And it's like, that's what you guys got rid of Kellen Moore for? Like... For this basic crap, like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't really get it. I don't really get what they're going. And also, you look at the teams that they've beat this year. The New York Giants, the New York Jets, and the New England Patriots. And losing to the Cardinals. And they lost to the Cardinals, and now they got absolutely steamrolled by the 49ers. I think this team's a little overhyped, Eli, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree at this point with any of those assessments. It's, it's, it's frustrating, even as, like, a general fan of the game to watch a team play with no enthusiasm whatsoever offensively. And like you say, no creativity. I'm a fan of art 
And when you watch the San Francisco 49ers, that's artwork in motion. That's that's the personification of art in, in sport. And you watch the Miami Dolphins and you watch the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles the Rams. Lions. You watch exactly the Detroit Lions this year. The the way that they're utilizing motion now, if you're not keeping up with that in the NFL, you're going to get left behind. And that's very evident from the season so far, from what I've seen from the best offenses this year. And speaking of the best offenses, I'm I'm just going to come out and say it. Brock Purdy is the guy, period. I don't care what anyone says. I know how brilliant Kyle Shanahan is. He's a, he's a mastermind. Brock Purdy executes like a star quarterback. Perfectly. He, he just executes everything that's asked of him, and he's playing like a damn superstar this year, and he should be, rightfully so, in the MVP discussion, along with his running back, Christian McCaffrey. They're both playing phenomenal football this year. Christian McCaffrey needs more, more respect in that MVP race. It's just... It, it's almost sickening to me and I love quarterbacks I played quarterback like I I love quarterbacks I idolized Peyton Manning growing up but it's almost sickening how it's basically just a QB award because CMC is just doing some really special stuff this year but I totally agree with you Brock Purdy he's looking like the guy he's proven all his critics wrong he processes so fast you know like he, he might not have all the physical traits that some of these other quarterbacks have but the mental part of the game he's up there with the best of them Eli and uh, also just wanted to shout out Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. I don't know if there's two better inside linebackers. They are so freaking fast. Fred Warner is like a heat-seeking missile. He had eight tackles, one interception, one sack. And the play where he got the interception, I mean, that was one of the most damnedest plays I've ever seen. He took C.D. Lamb's crossing route away. Or sorry, sorry, let me say that again. This was actually the sack. He took, uh, took C.D. Lamb's crossing route away and then saw that Dak was like moving out of the pocket and just sprinted at him for the sack. I mean, I don't know if any other player besides maybe Mika Parsons can do that in the NFL. Yeah, no, they're playing at an incredibly high level defensively as well. And that's that's what's allowing this offense to be so free-flowing as well, I believe, is this they can rely on either side of the ball to step up and make plays. It doesn't even matter who's doing it. They all believe in each other and they all have superstar potential, as we've mentioned so many times this year. Like, these guys are the top dogs in the NFC. Them and, and the whole NFL. Very, very little separates them in Philadelphia. But if for, if you're putting, you're asking me to put my mind and my money on something, I I say San Francisco is going to the Super Bowl this year oh, as of Week Five, and that, that's just the one thing that stands out to me in the NFC. So, like we said in the preview pod and throughout the first few weeks, San Fran has the potential to have the number one offense and the number one defense. And through five weeks, I think it's hard to argue. You know, Miami's offense is really electric, but uh, San Fran has scored 30-plus points in every single game, and now their defense is just flying around making plays and looking as good or if not better than it did last year when D'Amico Ryans was the defensive coordinator. Uh, Nick Bosa hasn't left off, hasn't lost a step, and their signing of Javon Hargrave, uh, at defensive tackle is really paying off. He came over from the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's he's top three in every single uh, de- uh, interior defensive lineman statistic. He's always in the backfield getting pressures, and yeah, it's just a really fun team to watch. It is. I, I love watching them. I've, I've really enjoyed every single one of their games I've seen so far this year, and next up, they're, they're at Cleveland next week, and there's a lot of uh, controversy, if you will, surrounding Deshaun Watson's availability. I've read multiple... Uh, conflicting reports from the media about how healthy he really is going into next week but yeah we'll see I mean if he's sitting out then they're gonna be feasting again with or without him playing I believe I think they're gonna be rolling in there feeling 
the whole confidence of the world behind them. And the Cowboys are in prime time again Monday night in LA against the Chargers. And I think that's a huge, huge game for Dallas to try to get back on track this season because things could go wrong real quick. Especially since, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dallas's offense in that game because they're going up against Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore, the old OC, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. And if they don't have a good offensive uh, showing, I think Mike McCarthy's seat already, is already hot, and I just think it's going to get hotter. Especially going into a bye week afterwards. You want to get into that bye week on a high note, feeling good momentum. So that's a, that's a big, big game on the road for them. Make no mistake about it. You do not want to be 3-3 three and three through six weeks going into a bye week. So. Nope. That's one to pay very close attention to. Uh, next up, we got the New York Jets. The Hackett Bowl, baby. <laughs> and, the, and the Denver Broncos. and uh, My Broncos. <laughs> Woo! 31-21, Jesse. Uh, I got it from here, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so the Broncos suck. I mean, it's pretty evident they're trash. Uh, that was, oh boy. I mean, that was, for me, because of how this season has started, that was my Super Bowl. So I'm extra extra crushed, you know, <laughs> sitting here on Wednesday. A little bit over it now because I've just realized how shit this team is. But uh, that might have been the worst game that Russell Wilson has played as a Bronco. I mean, he was holding on to the ball for, like, I think it was, like, an average of, like, three and a half seconds or, like, 3.47 seconds. And he looked scared to throw the ball into tight coverage. He looked... Our receivers weren't getting open. I mean, Cortland Sutton didn't even have a target till like late in the fourth quarter. We have the most expensive wide receiver room in the NFL, and I know there's some injuries, but they're just it's it's been a joke. And like the real deal, Jaleel McLaughlin, he's like the only bright spot on our offense right now. I mean, that kid is electric. He needs more touches, but uh, it's it that was a tough game to swallow. They basically just ran the ball all game and one like that like Zach Wilson didn't like he didn't play bad or anything but he didn't have to do anything and you know Patrick Sertan made a great play late in the fourth uh blanket coverage on Garrett Wilson best cornerback in my opinion and one of the best receivers and he you know they threw a little back shoulder fade not a great throw but Pat Sertan with an incredible athletic interception to give the ball back to Denver with down three 24-21 at the time with a chance to go down and either score or kick a game time field goal they had a timeout in the back pocket and there was like around a minute left and they got up to the 40 and there's still like 40 41 seconds with a timeout and you know russell wilson just trying to be carson wentz hero ball out there just rolls out no fucking pocket awareness no sense of urgency or nothing quincy williams made a great play knocking the ball out but you just throw the ball out in that situation and you know bryce huff or sorry uh I don't know who it was. One of the one of the defensive backs picked it up and returned it for a touchdown, and you could just see Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall, there you go. Yeah, and you could just see um, Sean Payton just chewing Russell out on the on the sideline after that. You know, he said, "You got your back hot. You got your back hot." Meeting uh, Samaje Piran was going out to the flat, and like the guy who blitzed, that was supposed to be his man. And instead of looking at him, he rolls out left, like the totally opposite way. It's like you're in year twelve, buddy. What the fuck are we doing? It's disappointing because we talked about it before the game even started, and I mentioned stop the run and you're going to have a really good chance of oh, winning man. this football game, and we knew it. We knew it going in. We knew what the whole the whole deal was for Denver to have an opportunity to win, and they let Brees Hall torch them for 177 yards on the ground. The, it's unbelievable and unprecedented it, to allow that to happen. It's ridiculous because, like you said, 
we knew that the Jets were going to pound the rock, and that's how they're going to try to win the game. Like not Salah even said before the game started, the training wheels are exactly. coming off. He's going to let them loose. And he literally gave them the script that they were going to deploy. So. And so, like we talked about before the game, I was telling you, we need eight-man boxes all game. I didn't see none of that shit. And also, why are our safeties 15 yards deep? Like, what, is, what are we scared of, man? It's Zach Wilson and, and the freaking Jets, bro. Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson are 15 yards deep. You hear Ty, uh, Ty Conklin, the tight end for the Jets, and some of their linemen said once they saw that look, they knew that they were getting six yards minimum per run. And it's like, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I, I love football. I played, I played quarterback growing up, and I, I never played defense. I feel like I could go out there and coach this defense better than Vance Joseph is right now. I mean, it's mind-boggling how pathetic this defense is. Aside from Pat Sertan and Nick Benito, quick shout-out to Nick Benito, he's tied for six in sacks, and he's tied for first in tackles for losses. He's got five and a half sacks and eight tackles for losses. He's playing really well, but I don't know, man. This is not what where I thought the Broncos would be, especially with how underperforming their defense has been. I don't want to take anything away from the Jets. They have an elite defense. Their defense stifled the Broncos all game long. They started the third quarter, the Broncos did, with five straight three and outs. I don't think that that should be a thing when you have a quarterback and paid a quarter of a billion dollars. And another thing that really pissed me off is Sauce Gardner got hurt uh, for her play and they took him out. And what what do we do? We run a freaking reverse. A hat. We hand it off to P. Ryan who then pitches it to, to Mims for a reverse and it gets fumbled. And the Jets recover it. And it's like, there's a practice squad corner in the game. Why are we not throwing the ball, Sean Payton? What are we doing? Even Matt Ryan's calling him out. Like, it, it, I don't know, man. No, it's it's frustrating. Like, it's never easy to win games in the NFL. We all, we all know that. No matter how we look at these teams, some teams they show up to play and some teams don't show up to play. But it's not okay to lose games in the manner that the Broncos are losing them. That That's what's frustrating for every Broncos fan out there right now, it's not that they're losing; it's the way that yeah. they're losing, and that that they're not providing any sense of urgency on either side of the ball, really. And it's just so frustrating when you have caliber of players that they have, and you have a legendary quarterback like Russell Wilson, who we've seen lead drives like this late in yeah, games before. He did it last week. That's what I mean. We've seen it. We just saw it last week, and we saw it so many timeless times in Seattle. So it's. It's frustrating, man, and that that's a huge personal game against the Jets oh, after man. everything Sean Payton yeah. said to begin the year, so it's it's almost an embarrassment for him personally. Well, especially. no, it is an embarrassment to him, and it's an embarrassment to Broncos fans because none of us said any of that shit, and, like, now the Broncos fans have to hear it, you know, and it's like, just don't, you don't open your mouth and say stuff like that. It just paints a target on your back. It's bulletin board material, and, yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating. Sorry, it's extremely frustrating. I'm extremely frustrated. Yeah, and it's not going to get any easier because they got the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead in uh, Thursday night football too. So I mean, the last time we talk beat, about the last team you want to see after what's been going on there for Denver. The last time Denver's beat Kansas City was Thursday night football at Arrowhead in 2015. So. <laughs> a little bit of a different uh, time back then, but what yeah. a joke. Maybe history repeats itself. Chill, Re- chill, really doubt it. Chill, but uh, Philadelphia is going to be playing at New York against the Jets next week as well. And the Jets are going to look to hopefully ride some momentum against one of the best teams in football right there. And speaking of Kansas City, they were playing the 
Minnesota Vikings, uh, one twenty-five time, our time, Pacific time, and this was a pretty tightly contested battle, actually. Uh, I, I still don't think we've seen the Chiefs play anywhere near their best football this year. Um, I think Mahomes had probably one of his top two games of the season, though, this, this week against uh, the Minnesota Vikings. He looked pretty much flawless all game and did everything he had to do. We saw Kelsey with a little bit of an injury scare, end up coming back into the game and having a big game and finishing with 10 catches and a touchdown. And for Minnesota, they didn't only lose the game, and they're not only 1-4. and four. Now Justin Jefferson is on the injured reserve. He's going to miss at least four games. It's, it's hard to picture any situation quite worse for a team with more expectations heading into the season than it is for the Vikings right now, Jesse. Yeah, and you wonder like if Justin Jefferson will just choose to like miss even more games than that. I mean, they haven't extended him. I don't know why. He's been the best receiver in football, arguably, his first three years. He's broken every single record you could, and he deserves to be the highest paid receiver. And for them to not do that, I could see him maybe, you know, take an extra couple weeks, especially if they're not winning games. I mean, what's the point, right? But yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs' defense is for real. That's the one thing as their offense is trying to find their rhythm and, and get going. Their defense is the real deal. Holyfield, it's probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had throughout his career. Chris Jones is just back. He's a difference maker. Legereus Need, good corner. Trent McDuffie is might be the best nickel corner in football in his second year. I mean, he was had some blanket coverage on Justin Jefferson before he went down with his hamstring. Um, the Vikings, though, they just... They can't stay out of their own way. I mean, it's another fumble that they weren't able to recover. And it was like on like their first or second drive of the game. And the Chiefs were able to just capitalize off that and score. And that they ended up winning the game by seven points. And that's an extra possession right there that they got. So it's insane how the Vikings just keep kind of shooting themselves in the foot with all these turnovers. It's a total uh, flip-flop of a story from just a year yeah. ago where it seemed like every turnover went their way, every break that they needed to get went their way, and now it seems as though the football gods have uh, smited them and they're starting to get the wrong end of the stick on those types of plays. And it's 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 tough, man, because now, now you got all this talk with Jefferson going out and you know, there's these Kirk Cousin trade rumors swirling around again. He's shot them down in the press already. But, I mean, you know, it's it's not a good situation. Like I said, they had such high hopes coming into this year and, like, a pretty open division going into the season. So they kind of felt like it was theirs to lose after everything that they went through last year. So, yeah, it's a tough scene, one and four. And what's uh, really striking to me on the other side of the ball for Kansas City, it's like I've said, like, I feel like we really haven't seen this team get going yet. We haven't seen them start cooking. We haven't seen these uh, incredibly diverse plays that we're used to seeing from Andy Reid and Mahomes in this offense. And it still seems to me like Mahomes is trying to figure out who the guy is that he could trust other than Kelsey. Yeah. He's, he's rotating these receivers around. He's getting the ball to so many different players every single game. And I just feel like he's almost trying to get a feeling of who that next guy is going to be that he's going to rely on later on in the season when these games really matter going into the playoffs. Because you got to have that guy that you yeah. can trust that's going to make a big play. Like we saw last year in the Super Bowl, you know, Sky Moore, big, big, big touchdown at the end of the game. We saw Kadarius Tony show up in the Super Bowl. We're not really seeing these guys do too much this year yet. And we've seen both of them have their drop issues earlier in the season as well. I do like this... Uh, 
R- Rishi Rice. He he's he's looking like he's stepping up, and he has a knack for getting in the end zone already. So I'm kind of looking for him to possibly be the next guy in line if Kelsey keeps battling these injuries. We've seen yeah. we've seen him going into the season battling a knee injury. Now he's got this ankle sprain. I mean, Kelsey's getting older he's now, 34. man. He's getting beat up. He's got a lot of things going on on his plate outside of football right now too, with a new sense of uh superstardom surrounding him and his relationship there. So. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the Chiefs this year, man. I don't look at them the same way I've looked at them going into these uh, the final stretch of the season the last two years where they were the clear number one in the league to me. I just don't see it anymore. No, I totally agree with you. And, and to kind of bounce off what you're saying, I don't really know if like the guy that's going to step up for them at receiver is even on the team right now. I think they're a prime candidate to maybe make a trade before the trade deadline. And I'm not even saying they're going to trade for like a superstar or anything like that, but a guy who's kind of circling around is McCole Hardman for the Jets. You know, he was just a healthy scratch uh, this past game versus Denver, and he's kind of got familiar, like familiar, familiarity with uh, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and all that. So I could see them getting maybe making a trade for him for like, a kind of like a, a late round draft pick or something like that but uh, i i also do like rasheed rice he's really good in the red zone like you said he's, he's really good in the middle of the field getting open um and tony's still he's got like a 15.8 percent drop rate you know he's still he's still struggling with drops you kind of want to see him that's pretty brutal yeah, it's pretty that's brutal. pretty high you want to see him work on that and like he he can be a difference maker i don't know if it's just him not practicing hard enough Maybe uh, a little bit in his own head since since week one when he had those four or five drops, but yeah, definitely, definitely not looking as good or crisp as they normally do on offense. The scary thing is that they're still four and one, but I agree with you. They're not the cream of the crop in the AFC. I mean, I don't know if there is a team that's the cream in the crop. There's like a few teams that are kind of all in the same same area as terms of talent and being dominant, but. Not like years past at all, Eli. No, no, don't get me wrong. They're in the upper echelon. They're, they belong with the elite, but they're not the dominant force. Like, they don't strike the same fear that they've struck in the last few years into opponents. You could kind of see people are willing to go at this team now with a different oh, 100%. sense of optimism going in these games. Um, although they do have a pretty winnable game coming up Thursday night against the Broncos. And so Two of their next three games are versus the Broncos. So. Yeah, yeah. so that, it, things could be worse. Things also, could Patrick also Mahomes get... has never played the last-ranked scoring uh, defense. defense in his whole career, and, and that's Broncos. So, yeah, it's kind of sad that that game's on primetime, but what can you do? You never know. And it's the Minnesota Vikings against the newly rejuvenated uh, Chicago Bears with Justin Fields kind of silencing some critics in the last couple weeks there so that's a a pretty big game i mean they're they're both those teams are in desperation mode like if they lose their seasons are completely finished 100 percent at that point so that's a big win for either team going into that game um yeah up next we got the philadelphia eagles the la rams 23 14 victory for the eagles they remain undefeated with the san francisco 49ers the only two teams left undefeated uh, in the league this year and I think we saw probably the best performance of the season from Jalen Hurts. He played really well the previous week as well, but I think we saw him raise his game to a very high level in this in this one. And he he played he played phenomenal, and he went back to an old favorite, and that's Dallas Goddard finally showing up in this offense after 
very largely doing nothing for the first four weeks. Like, and that's nothing against him. It's just he wasn't part of the script. We saw Swift have a couple huge games. We saw A.J. Brown have a couple huge games. And now we saw A.J. Brown had another big game again, don't get me wrong. But Dallas Goddard got involved in a big way. He got his first touchdown and matched his uh, yardage total and surpassed it from the first four games combined. So that's a big, big game for them and a big win against the very feisty Rams team who got Cooper cut back and looked flawless as he typically does. Yeah, you could tell, like... Uh, in the Eagles game plan right off the get that they wanted to get got Dallas Goddard going he had like three or four catches and the touchdown on that opening drive I mean it was a point of emphasis right from the like opening whistle um, I also agree with you man Jalen Hurts he's throwing the ball really well these last uh, few weeks a lot of like good intermediate throws outside the numbers in the middle of the field you know I wasn't I was one to say like for as good as he was last year I was never sold as like he was like a great pocket passer or anything like that but he's really starting to kind of make me think differently these last few weeks their passing offense is a little bit more creative than it was last year and it's a lot more aggressive than what it was aj brown is uh like like his twitter name is always open and and he's just proven that like he's a physical specimen he's 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 good after the catch he's good at the point of catch he's good at the point of contact like He's, he's really, a nightmare for any yeah, defender to match up yeah, against. Yeah, he's just a physical specimen. And, you know, their, their, their defensive line, their offensive line, we know how good they are. Jalen Carter with another sack and a half. You know, and as he continues to get going throughout the year, I don't know if they're ever going to start him this year or not, but he is already emerging as, like, a top three, top five defensive tackles in the league. But I was uh, pretty impressed. Like, Cooper Cup, just like you said, he didn't miss a step first game back. I think he had like five catches on the first drive. Like the guy the guy's a machine. And Puka Nakua, even with Cooper Cup, they're still involving him. I mean, that's a pretty good duo. And even though the Rams lost, I, I think they have a chance to kinda make some noise and maybe get in the playoffs this year. I mean, they're playing really well. They're coached really well. Matthew Stafford is a really good quarterback. Um obviously it's hard to run the ball against the Eagles, but if they can find a little bit more balance like with the pass game and the run game moving on throughout the year, I think they're going to be a handful for plenty of teams. I would argue that out of all the teams, that two wins, three losses through the first five weeks, they seem to be the most complete unit to me on yeah. both sides of the football right now. And like you said, it was really good to see Puka Nakua continuing his really phenomenal start to the season with, as we all expected, Cooper Cup to get a large portion of targets and catches. And it's it, it was really nice to see the rookie still playing a big part in that game, even though ultimately Philadelphia was just too much to handle on this day. And um, yeah, no, I'd say going forward, I, I've, I'm confident that the Rams have an opportunity to make the playoffs still. I think they've had a very difficult schedule to start the year. They played a lot of very strong teams so far, and they've looked really good. And they're playing against the Cardinals next week and we'll be definitely expecting to win that game and Philadelphia turns their attention as I previously mentioned to New York playing against the Jets in New York next week and they're, they're just going to look to stay undefeated I mean like they I can't remember the last time Jalen Hurts lost a game in the regular season yeah. it's been a while now it's been a really long time since uh Taylor Henneke was the guy was the guy to take him down Monday night football so I mean it's it's getting pretty crazy the type of run that they're on and the, the, the type of team that they have right now. They're just looking so strong on both sides of the football, especially, like I said, like Hertz just played for me his by far his best game of the year, so yeah. get him going and they're looking even scarier. 
it's crazy that like for as good as they were last year, you know, they were the best team throughout the majority of the year last year. How like favorable of an easy schedule they get to start off this year. I mean, it does get harder later on in the year, but they've had a lot of like pretty favorable matches, matchups to start the year. And it's just the opposite of how it usually is when you are like a number one or two seed. So they've taken full advantage of that. They're starting to play a little bit better. You know, they were kind of squeaking by some teams early, but they shut the Rams out in the second half last week and they look like a really dominant team. I mean, beating the Rams by nine is is pretty good. I mean, the Rams are no slouch, Eli. No, they're not. They're not. And they had to earn that win. That was just a well-played game on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, like I said, Philadelphia is a force to be reckoned with, absolutely. For me personally, they're just, just one notch below the San Francisco 49ers, and that's not taking anything away from how good this team is. I just think there's a little bit of a different level, but we'll we'll see as the season they play, continues they play to play in out. The regular season in a few weeks too, so yeah, and that, be a great that could be a matchup that decides home field 100%. advantage for the playoffs. So that could have huge implica- implications to it for sure. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that in a few weeks' time. Uh, Cincinnati, Arizona, Jesse, things finally got back on track for the Bengals, thirty-four to twenty victory, and. Joe Burrow finally showing a little bit more health, a little bit more mobility and freedom. And Jamar Chase, I mean, I'm always fucking open. That's what he said. And get get him the ball 15 times for 192 yards and three touchdowns. And I guess you could say, yeah, he is always open. And he backed up that talk and he had an absolutely huge, huge game for this team, minus T. Higgins in this one. So, yeah, huge game for him. Yeah, like... That guy's a he's playing really good these last like I would say three weeks he's stacked really good games but I think the main story for this is like you said Joe Burrow like the healthiest he's been all year he looked comfortable in the pocket he was taking shots he was getting the ball out quick he even if when he wasn't getting the ball out quick you know it it looked like Cincinnati actually had a plan for the blitz this week you know last week against like the tight they played the Titans last week yeah they had no plan for the blitz like there's like they knew that Joe Burrow was immobile. They were bringing extra guys, and, and he couldn't get anything going. They had an answer this week. He was given time in the pocket to make his reads and get the ball to Jamar Chase. I thought Cincinnati did a really good job switching up formations finally, getting a little bit creative, and moving Jamar Chase all over the field. Like you said, he had 19 targets. He caught 15 of them, and he wasn't just out wide the whole game. He was in the slot. He was out wide left. He was out right. They were stacking him in a bunch. Like That's what you got to do when, when, he's, when you have a player of that caliber. You got to move him around. You got to keep the defense guessing, keep them on their toes. And what a terrible time for Josh Dobbs to have his first pick of the year. End of the second half, pick six, up four, going into half, down three after that. I mean, he's been pretty pretty decent. He's exceeded my expectations throughout the year, but that was a tough time to kind of make your first big mistake of the young season, Eli. Yeah, and that changed the game in a big way. And it is unfortunate because I thought, I mean, like, it's easy to root for a guy like Dobbs in the situation he's in on an underdog-like uh, Arizona Cardinals this year because no one expects them to even compete, let alone win any games. And like we said all year, they've performed very admirably so far, and they've been competitive in games, and they were yet again against the Bengals in this one. And like you said, just really unfortunate timing. 
bad pick there and continued it with a couple more turnovers and largely you didn't need to give Burrow any extra help in this game he really was on his game and he played fantastic so I don't I don't know if that would have made a difference either way also the loss of James Conner early on in this one that that's a big loss because he was actually having a huge year for them to start this year he's been instrumental in that offense to start the year so he's a tough guy to replace in more ways than one he's a great character on and off the field he we all know what he's battled through to get where he is right now, and we all have so so much respect for him on and off the field. So we're hoping to see him healthy again later on this season. But Arizona's going to have to move on without him. And, uh, yeah, no, and it's Trey Hendrickson once again for the Bengals. I mean, this guy's up there, man. He's up there, and he should be in a lot of discussions for the elite players on any type of defensive front in the NFL. He just continues to be an absolute wrecker, man. He just he keeps getting sacks and he keeps making his presence felt. So he's, good. he's always in the top of in the top five in pressures. You know, he's a he's a game wrecker, like you said. And was he, that two two and a half sacks yeah. this week? Yeah, I thought it was only two. I mean, like the guy, yeah, he just keeps making huge impacts for this team, man. Him and Sam Hubbard on both sides of the ball seem to always cause a lot of problems for. Yeah, Hendrickson, Hubbard, and Logan Wilson, the the triangle. They're they're three studs, man. They 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 keep the defense going. They keep the defense flowing, and when they play that well on offense, uh, it's they they can go on a run and, and make some noisy life. Yeah, and this was just a huge game. I mean, you can't play games on paper, and everyone says on paper they're gonna win, but you got to go out and perform and win the game. And that was a big win to get their season back on track to two and three because they're taking on a pretty high flying Seattle Seahawks next week at home. So that that'll be a great game to watch. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the better games on the next week's slate that I'll be keeping a close eye on for sure with Seattle looking the way that. They're looking so far this year, too. And Arizona, um, sorry, I can't really remember who the heck they're playing. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. They're against the Rams in L.A. next week as well. So we'll see what happens there with all these uh, injuries overlooking the Cardinals now in that one. So that'll be a tough one for them, for sure. Uh, Tennessee Colts, 23-16 for Indianapolis. However, it's not all sunshine and rainbows because their star rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, is he's going to be missing some time. We don't know how much yet. There's speculation it's anywhere between four to eight weeks with that big shoulder injury that he suffered in this one. But lucky for them, they have a completely competent backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. And Gardner Minshew's got to be looking at this as a real opportunity to re- replace himself in a position to perhaps earn a starting job somewhere else across the NFL in the next season. This is a big chance for him. He played so good in this game again. He's done this a couple times already. He hasn't really put a foot wrong when he's came in to back up on injuries this year so far. And it was the big return of JT, but no one gave a shit because it was Zach Moss that absolutely popped off in this one for 165 yards, two touchdowns on 23 carries. So... I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. All I know is Zach Moss seems like he's hungry too. Like all these guys are hungry when they get these opportunities because yeah. they don't know how much they're going to play. Honestly, this, like as they ramp up JT in the next few weeks and they kind of give him, like get his, get his snap counts up, this could be one of the best running back duos in the league that nobody really would have thought. I mean, Zach Moss is playing really good football. Everybody knows what a healthy uh, Jonathan Taylor looks like, and the Colts have one of the best and most physical offensive lines in the entire NFL. So I really think that the emergence of Zach Moss and them 
getting Taylor back is like a really good thing for this football team, especially with Anthony Richardson probably out a couple of weeks. They can lean on the two-headed monster, play action. Gardner Minshew is a smart, savvy quarterback. They have a pretty good defense. I mean, I kind of... The Colts are a fun, frisky team. I mean, they're exceeding my expectations in a wide-open division. Uh, yeah, I mean, Franklin is, like, emerging as one of the best inside linebackers in the entire NFL. I mean, he's going to have 100 tackles before November. I mean, he's just... Him and EJ Speed, they, they fly around and make plays, and that's the kind of things I love to see when I'm watching football is just playing, like, fearless, heat-seeking missiles type of players like I already mentioned Fred Warner earlier, so... It's a really good-looking Colts team. And I also want to just shout out um, DeAndre Hopkins. He had his best game as a Titan, and I was kind of hard on him on the preview pod. I didn't know how much gas he had left in the tank, but he is totally proving me wrong. I mean, he's got a ton of juice left. He's still physical. He's really good on third down. He makes the tough catches. He's got great hands, and I've been really impressed with him. But the Titans are uh, – that was a game that, you know, when Anthony Richardson went down, they had to – take advantage of that and they didn't so that's a bit tough for them but even before and I just want to say even before Anthony Richardson went down I mean this kid makes some of the most like damnedest throws every single week I mean there's like two or He's three good, that he puts on tape that not a lot of guys can do and you can tell this kid is raw as shit so the future is really bright for him in this uh, entire Colts team yeah just what strikes me with Anthony Richardson watching him early on in his career is just his absolute will and determination to win at any means necessary like you you just see it in some guys the way that they play it's kind of like uh baker mayfield might not be the most talented guy but he has a true will and passion to win football games and he'll do anything he can and richardson in many ways strikes me with similar qualities he might not have the prettiest stat lines but he'll find a way to get his team in position to score and he's going to be largely missed don't get me wrong and like I said, Gardner Minshew's a very capable backup, but they, they want to build this team around this kid, and they want him back as soon as possible, no matter what. And like you said, uh, yeah, huge game for DeAndre Hopkins, and he's 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 playing pretty damn well this year, and he's been relied on pretty heavily because Derrick Henry, for large portions, except for the previous week, we've seen him struggle getting yards running right yeah. now. We're seeing him... Or his offensive line. It's it's so difficult to know which one it is. Sometimes the line isn't getting the push. Sometimes the running back isn't hitting the holes hard enough. Whatever it might be, we're seeing him not perform to the standard that we're used to seeing him for the last handful of years now. So, yeah, I think that was a huge win for the Colts being a divisional matchup and equally as big of a loss with a big opportunity for the Titans in this one. So they're going to be... They're going to be hurting bad after this loss. I think, Jesse, like you said, they needed to take advantage of the indecision and the uncertainty on the other side of the ball, and they didn't do that in this matchup. Yeah, and I think part of the problem with like the, the, the O-line and Derrick Henry kind of struggling is I think they're facing a lot of stacked boxes where because I don't think a lot of uh, defenses are really re- respecting Ryan Tannehill in that passing game. I mean, outside of Hopkins, it's, it's really nothing, you know? Ryan Tannehill is struggling to put the ball in the end zone. Um, yeah, I just think, like, I think, you know, Derrick Henry had a passing touchdown last week. Ryan Tannehill had zero this week, you know? Like, that's that's kind of a problem there, but... And he, that falls back in, sorry to cut you off, with, with our whole motion sediment. Like, yeah. the, you don't see that type of motion on the Titans no, either, no. and it's, it's a certain amount of predictability, and it's like you say... 
they they have an understanding that Tannehill isn't spreading the ball around this field. They're not seeing that motion. They're not seeing these pre-scripted plays with movement. And it makes it so easy in this NFL nowadays to really key in on that when you have so many freaks on defense, so many physically gifted people who are able to just hit holes hard and play exactly. with ferocity on the on that side of the ball. So yeah, like you say, I mean like that that's that's something that every single team should really be doing. And I don't really understand why that wouldn't be a giant point of emphasis on every single offense to utilize this motion and utilize the way that just take a look at the tape. Look at how San Francisco plays. Look at how the Miami Dolphins play. Just watch the tape, study it, copy it, paste it's it. It doesn't matter the personnel you have. It's how you use the personnel. Yeah. You can have superstars sitting in the midst that no one knows about because they're not getting a chance to run these types of plays. So take a shot, do it. I, I don't know really what else to say. And the Titans, it's not going to be easy for them to bounce back. They're flying overseas. They got a London game against the Baltimore Ravens, and that's that's going to be a really tough game. And in, in such a close division, as we already mentioned, they, they need a win here. They they don't want to go two games under five hundred when Jacksonville, the Colts, and Houston all have the potential of really seizing control of this division this year. So, yeah, it's it's that's a big one for them to bounce back. And as we already said, it's Gardner Minshew. Minshew Mania is back, and he's taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars next week, too, in a, another big divisional matchup for these two teams. So that'll be a really good one to watch next week, too, with the leader... Uh, with the winner coming out with the division lead more it's, than likely. It might, it's like kind of a must-win game for the Jags because they've already lost the first one versus the Colts, too. And you don't want to have, you know, go 0-2 against a team in the division. So that, that's actually a really big game, Eli. I'm looking forward to that one. Me too. Yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be one to watch for sure. I'm pretty sure they beat the Colts week one, though. I could be mistaken. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. They, Jackson, Jackson yeah. lost to Houston. That's what it That's was. What was. Yeah, saying. yeah. They've already lost one in the division. Sorry, like let, me, let me flip that then. <laughs> yeah. It's a must win for the Colts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want, same, same, same reasoning, though. You don't want to fall down 0-2 in the division against the team. <laughs> yeah, no. That, that'll sorry be, for the brain fart there, boys and girls. Happens, happens to the best of us, man. But that'll be one to watch. I'll be keeping a close eye on that one personally. Speaking of Houston, it's a really good game. I actually very much enjoyed this game against Atlanta. 21-19 win for the Falcons. Desmond Ritter remains undefeated at home in the NFL. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, I think we just saw the best game of Desmond Ritter's career in this one. He actually, I've, I've talked a lot of shit about this guy, and he actually played a very good football game. His offensive line played great, got him protection. He was not sacked once. He threw for over 300 yards. He got Kyle Pitts involved, which we have not seen enough of with his physicality and his size. So that it was just a good game. We saw a freak touchdown from B. John Robinson, who otherwise was really quiet. But it doesn't really matter when you're pulling shit off like he just did. Like I mean, that you was, can see the talent. That was know? just crazy, man. I mean, like what if, you just, you just don't see things like that ever in the NFL. Like sometimes in the NBA, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he looked like, like Allen Iverson. It's crazy, man. man. It was a crazy touchdown, crazy game, and. Uh, on the other side of the ball, C.J. Stroud, he continues to impress. This is a very stout uh, defense on the Atlanta Falcons, and he, he played great again, man. For, for a rookie, for everything he's doing, for the people he has around him, he's 
he's just looking good, man. I know he didn't get the win. He's going to be killing himself about that in a winnable game, but 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 he led he led them down to that drive and he got the touchdown with like a minute left. Like he he did all he, he could thought, do. Exactly. He did all he, he thought, could do, man. You know, you 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 put the ball in your defensive court there, and you know Desmond Ritter also made some plays on that game winning drive. So I, this was a really fun game to watch. Two young quarterbacks. You know, we've been pretty hard on Ritter. This was definitely, definitely the best game of his career. I don't like. He was making throws. I, I did, He was putting zip on the ball. I didn't know. I've never capable. seen him yeah. even do that before. No, no was I was kind of really blown good away. Passes. He didn't look like the same guy to me at no, all. It no, was crazy. Exactly. And he was more aggressive on play action passes. Um, I think he, he, he had like just barely over two hundred yards coming into this game on play action passes, and he had over 160 in this game alone on play action passes. So it just tells you he was more aggressive. He was more confident with his reads. And I think it was really important because uh, if he struggled again, I don't know how they could have went back to him and not put Heineke in there. So really impressive performance by him. They, they used his legs in the red zone. He had a rushing touchdown to go on with his passing touchdown. He spread the ball around. They got pits going, like you said. Drake London had some big plays. Johnny Smith, like he loves his tight ends. He he loves Johnny Smith. It's nice to see him getting pits going too, though. I mean, two really really athletic tight ends, and yeah, C.J. Stroud. He uh, in this game he passed the record for most most pass attempts without an interception to start his career. I mean, for a guy that you know got a lot of slack for his like S two test, he's processing and sealed seeing the field better than any rookie I can. I can remember, you know, even even more impressive than what Herbert did as a rookie. I mean, he's he he's got he doesn't have like they got some talent on offense, but he's not surrounded by elite playmakers. You know, he's bringing the best out of his receivers, and without much of a run game to go on with that, I've just been so impressed with him. Yeah, me too. He just looks like he's built for this. He's he's built for this league. He's built to be a superstar. Um, I don't think we've even seen the best of him yet, which oh. is really exciting and. Yeah, I just want to touch on the fact that sometimes when you're a young athlete in general, no matter what sport it is, when you see another young athlete in the same position as you having a lot of success early on, that sometimes snaps confidence into your head that yeah. you didn't know was there for a while or you didn't feel. I think we saw a little bit of that from Desmond Ritter with him looking across and seeing how well CJ Stroud's already adapting. And he's like, I've competed against this guy. Yeah. I've, I've competed in college against guys just like this yeah. guy, and I've done well in college, and sometimes that's all it takes, so... Yeah, I don't know. I, I like rooting for young guys, man, and I really hope we see him continue to play well going forward. Always even, rooting for the young guys. Even though he's in my division, I really want them to fucking lose. Like, I still like seeing a guy play well and earn his job in the NFL, so good good on Desmond Ritter. That's a huge win for him, man. Like, that was a ballsy drive to get them Big down the field to win that game. So, and yeah. just because we're hard on certain guys, I mean, it's not it's not because we don't, we don't like him or we're not rooting for him. We're just... We're just saying what we're seeing, right? And just analyzing what we see. That's exactly. all we can do. And yeah, like we're not going to sugarcoat it. If someone's not good, we're going to definitely let them have it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean they can't be great the next time they go out and play. And we just saw that from Desmond exactly. Ritter. So. Now you want to see him kind of stack this game with another good game and kind of keep the momentum up, right? That's exactly right. And it's a pretty big game against another young quarterback who's he, he's he's playing well. Maybe his team's letting him down a little bit, but it's Washington Commanders against the Falcons next week. I, th I think that'll be an exciting game, just like the Houston one. It should be a great battle of two young teams in that one, and Houston's taking on 
nearly in Saints at home in a very winnable oh. game for Houston in that one as well. So those those would be two good games. There's actually quite a few good games now it's that I'm looking at up. next week. Yeah, I wasn't too interested in a lot of the games when I was looking at week five. A lot of the matchups on paper didn't really uh, stick out to me. But yeah, now that I'm looking at week six, I'm pretty excited for what we got on the slate coming up next week, Jesse. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so now we're going to turn our attention to the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers, 42-24 win for the Detroit Lions. And, um, yeah, call me crazy, but Jared Goff's playing some elite football, man. He's yes. playing flawless execution football. He was missing Amon Ross St. Brown. He was missing Jameer Gibbs, and he didn't really give a single fuck, man. Nope. He came out balling yet again. He's he's looking phenomenal for this team, man. He's playing the best football these last two seasons of his whole career. Um, he's really aggressive. That's the one thing I, I, I know when I wa- I'm watching the Detroit Lions. He's really aggressive throwing the ball downfield. He's got a lot of confidence in this system. He's got a lot of confidence in his playmakers. Sam Laporta is an absolute beast from tight end U, Iowa. Just another guy coming in from Iowa, just like George Kittle, Noah Fant. Like, they got really good tight ends that are good in the pass game, are good in blocking. They're coaching them up really well down in Iowa. And... The Detroit Lions, like, and to me, they're they them in Seattle are they've surpassed Dallas in my opinion as the third team in the NFC. You know, I don't know which one it is, like, kind of week by week, but I've been really impressed with the Detroit Lions. You know, I said on this podcast that I thought maybe the hype and the pressure would be too much for them. I couldn't have been more wrong with that. Dan Campbell has these boys ready to run through a brick wall. Ben Johnson, in my opinion, is entering. Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel territory as one of the most brilliant, creative, offensive play callers, play designers in the NFL. I mean, I think he'll he's for sure going to be a head coach somewhere else next year. I mean, the between the like they had a play where I don't know if you saw it. Jared Goff was like under center, and uh, Montgomery was behind him, single back, and the center hut the ball through his legs directly to David Montgomery and Jared Goff acted like it was a fumble and they just ran it up the gut like that. And they had another trick play where it was a toss to Montgomery who threw it back to J-Mo, who threw it back to Goff, who threw it deep to Laporta. The reverse flea yeah. flicker. Yeah, that it's was brilliant, man. And we saw uh, San Francisco yeah. utilize that with That's Kittle exactly, too. Exactly Almost the, the picture for play. picture play. It was That's crazy. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Ben Johnson is just so creative with his play calling. Like you've been saying, the motion, the creativity. This is what offense is like in 2023, and they're showing it. And also, their defense is much improved from last year, led by Aiden Hutchinson. The kid's a freak. But their secondary is so much better this year. They're they're taking the ball away. They're ball hawks. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Detroit Lions. Even with C.J. Gardner Johnson out too, and, yeah, oh, they're they're too. stepping up, yeah. man. They're they're looking really good on both sides of the ball. And I I think this was um. This was a franchise record for them as well. They scored over 27 points back-to-back weeks for the first time in franchise history. In in the first half, sorry. It's 27 by halftime. So they came out blitzing against uh, Green Bay. They looked great there. Followed it up. I mean, Carolina, their offense might not be great, but they their, have de- a good defense, their defense so, yeah. is more than respectable. And, and Detroit just shout on them yeah. like straight up, man. Like, I can't even word it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how things get much worse for the Carolina Panthers right now, because as I just mentioned, their defense is so respectable and they are keeping them in games and their offense just leaves so little to the imagination. It's it's kind of like, it's just frustrating to watch, man, because it it, it's, it's really like, I, I just don't really understand 
what they're trying to accomplish, the way that they're setting up their offense in these games. You know, like I just don't see them taking shots. I don't see them being diverse. I don't see them really giving a sense of confidence in their young quarterback, Bryce Young, to actually execute uh, difficult play calls. And you even heard their coach say, we need to keep it even simpler going yeah. forward and like I thought that's a crazy crazy statement for him to make after how they've already played like yeah they're running a ton of screens and like the defenses the defenses that they're playing are just catching onto these screens they're not getting any yards out of them uh they have a lack of playmakers on the outside they have don't have much of a run game I mean it's a it's 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 a tough offense to watch and you have their coach Frank Wright coming out and saying like how the, the owner is really like almost too involved um that's kind of a red flag weird comment the way he worded that was weird yeah i don't know like he made it sound like him and his staff wanted to take cj shroud and the owner was just like we're taking bryce young i don't know how you bounce back from saying stuff like that i mean at the end of the day i agree with frank reich but the owner is paying him and he's employing him and it is what it is now you have what you have so I, i don't know really what you're gonna accomplish saying things like that and you know what i gotta say like Bryce Young, this was the first time he threw multiple touchdowns in a game, so good good for him there. But like it was a lot Yeah, it was a lot of it was in garbage time too with like prevent defense and everything, which kinda of padded the stats. Yeah. It was not as pretty as it was. Like, I mean, they basically let them march down the field with two minutes to go up, like what what was it, forty two to 17. seventeen at the time. So I mean it, it it's the stats don't tell the full story on this one. It's still not looking good for Carolina. They're 0-5 now. They're the only winless team in the NFL right now. And, and they don't have their first-round pick. Uh, yeah, and exactly. It, so. Exactly, right? So, I yeah, and they're playing the Miami Dolphins next week. So, I mean, like, I don't think it's going to get any easier anytime soon for this team. And uh, it's Detroit against, um, I believe, the Tampa Bay Bucks next week, too. Sweet, which, yeah. yeah, that'll be a good matchup. I think the Bucks have one of the best defenses in the league right now, for sure. So, I think that'll be a great matchup on both sides of the ball in that one. Um, yeah, Detroit's going to keep looking to roll. And Carolina just wants to get a win at this point. So, I, I think they're going to have to keep waiting because I don't really think it's going to come against this Dolphins team right now. But no. we'll, we'll see where they go from here. I mean... Yeah, at least a little bit more positivity would be nice to see either way against a vulnerable defense in Miami next week because yeah. they can get at that defense. That defense is nothing to write home about. I think in my like mind, so. I think like speaking of Miami, I feel like that is almost the like what they're doing with Tua is like what you need to do with Bryce Young. Like you need to surround him with elite talent at the receiver position, and just kind of let him distribute it. Like he's not gonna be like, he's not physically gifted like a Josh Allen. Or like a Trevor Lawrence or like quarterbacks like that where they can just, you know, backpack the team. Like you need to surround him with the right players, the right talent. I mean, we're still seeing Andy Dalton come in for quarterback sneaks. Exactly. That's a problem, That's man. a problem. That's man. a problem. That's totally I, don't a problem. Ca- I don't care what anyone says. That's not a good no, look. That's not. I've never seen that before. No, that's so. not what you want to draft a guy if number one overall to do. So like you say, it's, it's about the game script. It's about finding a way to get him to utilize his talents to his best abilities. And right now they don't have it and they don't have the answers and... They might not have the personnel to do it even right now, but you never know. They, I, mean, they, I don't think they do, but I, I do agree with you. Like you, As a coach, you need to work around your 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 quarterback's deficiencies and find find the best way to use it, and I don't think they're doing that. Like he's At the end of the day, Bryce Young, he is a good processor. Like He can read defenses, but he's not going to beat you with explosive plays down the field. Like He doesn't have a great arm or anything. So they need, to, they need to keep going back to the drawing board and trying to come up with the right offense for him. It doesn't seem like it's kind of clicking with what they have at quarterback right now. 
personnel or not, they're obviously lacking talent, but at the end of the day, it's the NFL. Yeah, and if you're not setting yourself up to succeed, then you never will. So that's great points that you make there, man. And speaking of not setting yourself up to succeed, we saw a pretty big implosion by the Baltimore Ravens against the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. This, I'm kind of still shocked right now reading that Pittsburgh won this game 17-10 to because this was just a gross football game all the way around, and... Baltimore basically lost this game on their own accord. Brutal. They had seven drops for like well over 150 yards. And like, you know, they for as bad as the Steelers offense is, they have a really good defense. And if you shoot yourself in the foot and fuck around the way Baltimore did and leave them in the game, these are the kind of games that Pittsburgh wins. They really are. Look, like the Browns game week two, similar shit. You know, they're a gritty bunch, they're a well-coached bunch, and TJ Watt and them boys have a knack for making plays when there's the game's on the line and coming out with the dub. So the Ravens got to be killing themselves for losing this game. I mean, they were the Especially best. Especially a divisional game. That's what I, I mean, mean yeah. They're the better team. Lamar Jackson had a pretty pretty good game until the last two minutes. I mean, he had the that bad interception. I mean, you, you. That's a lot of play calling too. I just don't think that that's not the that's not the play call for that moment. Man. No, like yeah. you're already up. Yeah. You're, you're in position to at worst kick a field goal, and, and I also, don't know. You're throwing a fade to uh, Odell to Beckham. Odell Beckham right? He can't even jump right yeah. now. He's clearly very injured. Yeah. He, his leg and his ankle, whatever it he's is, he's not. He's not looking yeah. like he used to look. Exactly. He's his his mobility is not there right now. That's not the player you want to throw that ball I to. I totally agree. Maybe if you're bodying up Mark Andrews out there on a smaller guy, then yeah. you take a shot like that. Yeah. I, otherwise, that that was mind blowing to me, man. Like, and then. And it was a bad throw, too. It was like, not it was a good a, throw, yeah. It was yeah. Actual, ba- fade inside. Yeah, don't know? get me wrong. The throw, the execution was off, but the play call was off from the start there, too. And then, yeah, like like you said, you saw Pittsburgh just grit out some dirty shit and win this game. Miles um, Killebrew, big spark for them on that block punt yep. through the end zone, got the safety there. And then from there, I think they scrapped out a field goal on the ensuing kickoff. They got down the, the field too. a little bit and... Uh, yeah, it was just a dirty win, man, and Pickett made one throw. Yeah. Literally, when it mattered yeah. most, and he hit his boy Pickens, and Pickens just effortlessly took off for On the On Marlon Humphreys, too. One of the premier corners in the league. I mean, yeah, George Pickens is a freak. Pickens has that type of look where it's like you don't think he's running fast when no. you're watching him, and yeah. he's flying. Like, he, he does it in such an effortless way where he looks like a freaking gazelle running down, galloping past people with no effort whatsoever. It's a lot like... When I watch a-, a chain on the Dolphins, yeah. it's like he doesn't look like he's flying the way his body's gear, moving, right? and he's just going well over twenty one and a half miles an hour on those. So, yeah, that was just a huge, huge win for Pittsburgh, who can quite literally be zero and five right now if it's it wasn't cr- for their defense. Like it's pretty wild. It's crazy, they're three and yeah, and I can't, I can't believe they have a winning record right now. But kudos, like you say, to. Mike Tomlin just seems to always find a way to get underperforming teams to perform. And, yeah, you could just tell how much this meant to everyone, especially Matt Canada, how hyped he was from that touchdown, man. I mean, like, I mean, talk talk about all-time enthusiasm from your coordinator up, up in the box on a huge, huge play where you could clearly hear Pickett call an audible yeah. of some sort before we the play. Randy Moss, Randy Moss. <laughs> before the play, too, so... uh 
yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of speculation, rightly so, for Matt Canada to be out the door he there. should and be. I do want to shout out the beast yet again, Najee Harris. I mean, what a, what a freakish performance. 14 carries, 37 yards. I mean... What a wildebeest that guy he just, is. He just continues to impact the game. He's so consistent. In such a big way. I mean, the, the way that he could get so many touches and do so little with it is like... It's nothing less than astonishing to me. I feel like I'm, I'm like... 5'9 at best on a good day, and I'll be hitting holes harder than that fucking guy at this yeah. point. So shout, shout out our boy Aiden Young, too, because we know how much he loves Najee Harris. You yeah. know, he loves seeing those big, big 3.2 yard per carry performances. Maximum, out man. Maximum. But yeah. But in all seriousness, this is just TJ Watt's show yet again. The guy stepped up so big when it mattered most yet again. I mean,. God damn, this, this guy seriously, he's got to be just up there in everyone's minds as the best oh, in the league. In at my this opinion, point, he's the best defensive player in football. He had another two sacks, a fumble recovery. He had a pass, def- like a pass deflection. I mean, he's all over the I'm place. I'm pretty sure they said he dislocated his finger with he multiple ligaments, and he he didn't even miss a snap. Well, so, I mean, we I didn't mean, even know that. We would have never yesterday. known had <laughs> someone not mentioned that. So it's pretty crazy what this guy continues to do, and the way that he continues to do it is. It's nothing short of incredible, and it's nothing short of incredible that this Pittsburgh team is literally 3-2 through five weeks. Is it crazy to say if somehow Pittsburgh wins nine or ten games and gets in the playoffs, if TJ Watt's having this kind of season, he should be in the MVP discussion because the the offense ain't doing shit. Yeah, listen, man, <laughs> if if they get into the playoffs, Mike Tomlin is a hands-down coach of the year oh, for yeah. me, too. Like, this team has no right no, to make the playoffs. Absolutely none whatsoever, so... Yeah, if they continue this, they got a bye week. So, I mean, what a huge win going into a bye week, too. Now they can prepare for their next game in Week 7 against the LA Rams, which is obviously going to be a very difficult matchup against a well-coached team there. And as we already mentioned, Baltimore's traveling overseas with a sour taste in their mouth, taking on the Tennessee Titans in London next week. So they're going to look to bounce back big against the Titans in a very winnable game for them in that one, and they need it in a big way after that loss. Oh, God. Speaking of a train wreck, New England Patriots, man, I I don't think anyone could have foreseen this implosion and this type of train wreck from a team as decorated as the Patriots, man, and Bill Belichick as head coach. But if if they're losing 34-0 to the Saints, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Who Because this Saints team is not good enough to put up 34 points on anyone in the NFL this year. I hate to say it, but they're just not right now offensively. So It's crazy. It was a 34 nothing win for the Saints, but I still thought the Saints offense was pretty mid. No, like, no offense. Like terrible. Yeah, they terrible. Just, they're not they're, good to watch. They're not entertaining to watch. They leave very little to the imagination. Yet again, they don't utilize any of the playmakers they have properly in my mind. Mike no. Carmichael, he's got to be gone. See, it's similar to what I was saying with with Dallas. It's just that West Coast bullshit, man. Like, that shit worked, like, 20 years ago. But, like, you're doing all these check downs. We're in stuff. a new yeah, age yeah, now, yeah, man. Exactly. We're in a new age. And we have no excuse to not use the players that we have differently as well. It's like the even the previous week, Kamara in his debut, 13 catches for 33 yards. That's such a joke. That's the... That's, most amount of catches for the least amount that's, of yards that's ever. That's literally embarrassing almost. Like to even run that many plays and get that little amount of yards receiving is almost embarrassing with a talent like Kamara. And that's not Kamara's fault. No, you know, it's that's not. That's the route design. That's, that's just 
Derek Carr checked down Charlie, you know. And and the defense knowing that it's coming, too, because they're not taking shots downfield to anyone right now. But, I mean, like, I'm talking shit, and we literally just blanked the Patriots 34 nothing. I mean, they take got nothing all kinds aw- of problems. Yeah, take, take nothing away. That's a big win for New Orleans either way. But that's that's now... 38-3 to against the Cowboys and 34 nothing, and now they have a league-worst, barely over 10 points a game in the NFL 10. this year. 6, right? They haven't even topped 20 points once in five games. I don't know how the hell Mac Jones is going to remain starting quarterback here. I don't know how the hell Bill Belichick's going to remain the head coach here at this point. I mean, it's, it's not good, man, and I don't care... I'm not going to take anything away from probably the best coach of all time in Bill Belichick. We all know his history. We all know the decorated everything that he went through with Tom Brady. But this is the present. This is right now. There is no time except for right now. And you always have to produce in this league. And to get beat the way that they're getting beat is like actually disgusting, to be completely honest. 72. They've been outscored 72-3 to three the last two weeks. I mean, that just says it all. 35-point loss last week, the worst in Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's career followed up by a 34-point loss. Um, yeah, his seat's definitely hot. I think out of respect, I, I can't envision him getting fired in the season, but I don't, I, I, I don't see how they keep him after the season, especially last year with hiring like two defensive coaches as the offensive coordinator. I mean, I'm not like the biggest Mac Jones fan, but that clear that clearly regressed him as a player because he was pretty decent as a rookie, and he's not found that same success since. Um, he is, you know, he's has what two or three pick sixes on the year now. Um, he's got sloppy footwork. The offensive line can't protect worth a damn. They have no playmakers. Like they gave. Juju Smith-Schuster, a three-year, $33 million contract, and he's got, like, 14 catches for, like, 90 yards on the year or something like that. And instead of, you know... Jacoby Myers the, the Vegas the gave that same, exact yeah. same contract Vegas gave to Jacoby Myers, who was in New England for years, a guy that nobody even knew who he was, but he was making plays and being consistent for them. Their lack... And he, it's not like he's, like, an elite playmaker or anything, but he's at least consistent. They don't have that. They can't run the ball... Their fucking defensive secondary is just. Like, I gotta all say, injured. with with Judon and Gonzalez, Gonzalez going done, out, bro. I think this might be the worst roster in football it's on both sides Denver, of the ball. Sure. And, and no, I'm just I'm talking from a pure talent standpoint right now. No, I, I just you like you already uh, descripted. They have no one to throw the ball to. No, they have no receivers. Ramondre Stevenson is like a shell of what he just was last year. Like it, it's like honestly mind blowing to see how bad this team really is this year. But like you look across the board and you look at the way they're playing and like I hate to say it because Mac Jones has been dog shit, but he's also been in the he's been put in the position with everything around him to make him look this bad oh, at the yeah. same time, too. I'm not saying he's playing good, but he's also a product of the environment around him right he's now. He's, like, on a list of Patriots problems, he's, like, their 12th biggest problem. Which, which and, is a problem, because yeah. he is, he is he a is problem, a problem right yeah, But no. he's just, he's surrounded by nothing. I don't know how many quarterbacks you put on that offense and, and they're having success, you know? I'd, I'd say maybe, like, four, honestly. Yeah, probably. like, Pat Mahomes and... 
Maybe Josh Allen. I mean, Jared Goff for sure. Yeah. <laughs> even, Jared, even Jared Goff would be getting no, hit like no, crazy. Yeah, you know? I'm not going to lie. That's it's pretty... he, he would be looking as bad as Mac Jones in that offense. Let's just put it that way, man. That's uh... it's, a, it's a bad situation in New England. You know, and Robert Kraft, he said before the year, they asked him, you know, are you going to keep Bill Belichick around uh, to break Don Chula's all-time win record or whatever. And he's like, well, we want to win and we want to make the playoffs. So he didn't say yeah. So I, I do think Bill Belichick, if he doesn't turn this around, he's going to be either coaching somewhere else next year or retired. Um, and if he's going to turn it around, it better happen next week because they're playing the Raiders. And, like, I mean... Well, that Josh McDaniels literally came from New yeah. England, so he should know how to stop that offense. And if they can't... If they can't I don't even know if they need to, like, yeah, they need to win that. But just for his sake, they need to look respectable. In that exactly, game. exactly. They they can't be getting blown out like they have in the last few weeks. And, uh, yeah, as I detailed before, Saints-Houston, that's going to be a good game. It's going to be a really, really strange game, I think, on paper as well. I think those teams match up kind of weird when I I'm excited to see the Saints. Paper. Uh, like, the Saints have one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see that. Might be the last week for uh, Stroud to remain pickless right? in, yeah. in, in his career. Got the Honey Badger and yeah, Lattimore. I mean, that secondary is looking nasty yeah. for us. That, that's all I could say. Like, I'm excited for that matchup, though. I'm excited to see if CJ Stroud's... Like, I, I believe he's the real deal, but... I mean, if he throws a pick versus them, even, even if he does, cares, it is you know? what it is. I mean, I that's one of the best secondaries yeah. in the league. If he comes out and torches us, then he he really is something really I mean, he's special. Like top early top on, five of that happened. Yeah, man. I think so. Man. <laughs> Speaking of top five, Miami versus the Giants, thirty-one sixteen win for the Dolphins, and yet again, I mean. Speed kills. Speed's gonna keep killing, and that's what it's been doing. Devon A. Chain. He finally made his first mistake. He looked human for a second there on a fumble early on in the game, and then all he did after was just pop off for a 76-yard touchdown run on his very next touch to redeem himself. So, And he hit like almost 22 miles an hour again doing so. Tyree Kill, freak, 8 181 touchdown i mean and he did hit 22 yeah and he did hit 22 and, and the way he did it was insane because he did that little cheat motion where he, you know he lines up inside and he starts running out and then they snapped the ball and he freaking stopped on a dime and turned around and took a screen and then took the screen like 70 yards i mean that guy's like start and stop acceleration plus top end speed is something i've never seen before no this team like i i've mentioned it to you multiple times yeah, throughout the year i just love watching the way that they play football on offense it's just like there's a real art form in sport and they have captured the art form to an incredible degree mike mcdaniel's like one of the funniest like He's awesome. Most relatable coaches in yeah. the NFL. It's so easy to root for this guy and for this team, especially with everything that Tua went through last year. I'm really happy to see him not taking hits for the most part this year, protecting his body well. He He's had a big turnover problem this year, though, and it hasn't come back to bite them yet so far, but that's something to keep an eye on going forward. Like, some of his picks are, like... They're bad. They're so bad, man. Like, they're actually, like... The decision-making is, like, hard for me to wrap my head around because he looks so good otherwise throughout almost the entirety of every game he's played so far this year except against the Buffalo Bills who actually happened to get so much pressure on him. They were the only team so far all year yeah. 
to really, really get pressure in that backfield on two, and I think that's something that other teams got to The Broncos hold him in check too, buddy. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> they sure did. I mean, that was, that was something special from Denver that game. That's yeah. all I could say. The Dolphins, you know, through five games, they have 2,568 total yards of offense, passing uh, the 2,000 St. Louis Goal Browns. accomplished is what yeah, you Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I know that that's still impressive, though. It I mean, the, and the way they're doing it, like, unlike last year, they, they, they are the best running team in football this year they're the most explosive passing uh team in football yeah i forgot to mention uh devon a chain he he just got placed on the injured reserve today too so that's a huge loss after how much he's been exploding like yeah. you say the run game's been huge for this team it's so. crazy that like a chain he came into the game averaging like 11.2 yards per carry and it freaking went up it went up after this game it's now 12.1 i mean this guy is ridiculous he reminds me of uh, Chris Johnson, CJ2K, and he looks like the kind of player who's never even kicks it into final gear. Like That's you know what, what I mean. mean. The, the speed looks so effortless that it's like actually mind-blowing when you're watching it. It actually looks like he's jogging and he's just blowing by guys like they're not even moving. It's, it's pretty wild. And uh, I'm not saying this guy's anywhere like him, but they have Jeff Wilson coming back yeah. too. And Jeff Wilson's a really exciting running yeah, back and like- it's... It's going to be great to see him and Mostert probably split touches going forward in his absence. I mean, I still think they're going to be more than fine with those two guys leading the way back there. 100%. Like, uh, Jeff Wilson had, like, over 800 yards last year and five touchdowns. Like, he's a good running back. He's he's different. He's a little bit more physical than... uh, Well, he's not a speed burner like Echen and and Mostert. He's he's more physical, but... Yeah, they, they they got a fun offense. Um, If they can just get their defense remotely to, like, top... 15-ish I mean they're gonna be a scary team to play in the playoffs and uh I don't know man the Giants man like I'll shout out Kayvon Thibodeau because back-to-back games where he's got a sack after a pretty pretty terrible start to the year but aside from that I feel terrible for Daniel Jones I mean he hurt his neck I don't know how he besides ha- from Sam Howell I don't know who's getting beat up worse than Daniel Jones I mean like they're both getting sacked yeah. at such an alarming rate that it's like and but literally it's, throw on someone on the offensive line from the streets at this yeah, point like a, truly man. it's a little bit different too whereas like Sam Howell young guy he does sometimes hold on he holds ball. on too long for Daniel sure Daniel Jones doesn't even have the opportunity no. to, like he's he got can't three, even blink. Evan Neal couldn't block a fucking whale man and that's the seventh overall pick last year like he's literally I'm watching plays. He could block his own guy pretty That's good. That's what though. I'm saying. I'm watching plays where he's fucking turning to the right guard and blocking his own boy and letting fucking, like, Draymond Jones and company run right past him. Bradley Chubb, like, it's a... I don't know what the... He's, he's getting mad at the fans for, for calling them out, saying these guys are flipping hot dogs and shit. Like, buddy, look in the mirror, grab your nutsack, and learn how to play right tackle, man. You're the seventh overall pick. Help your quarterback out, man. Saquon Barkley's telling him not to get into, like, arguments with the fans. Like... He's the fans are buying tickets, man. They're gonna call you out if you're playing like shit. And they have every you. right to. Yeah. They absolutely have every right to, for sure. They're Figure the ones. It out, buddy. Yeah, they're the ones that make this league go around. So you, do, especially in New York, like you gotta know better, man. You, get, you, you don't play. go against your own fan no. base in New York. That's the last place you want to be doing that. Man, Eli Manning won two Super Bowls for the Giants. It does. He could be playing the best football of his career, and the critics in New York are going to criticize him. Like that's the market you're in, man. You need to have thick skin to play there. And if you don't, you're going to be out of the league soon, buddy. That's a fact, and it's it's. I mean, it's such a tough scene for New York, and they came in with big expectations this year. Actually, they oh, really yeah. did. They had a pretty 
phenomenal season last year. They had the coach of the year. Yeah. They, you know, all these things, and like ultimately, it's just been one bad game after the next, and it it hasn't even looked like remotely close to no, being anything yeah. this they're, year. They, them, and the Patriots, from for my money, have been the two worst teams this year. Like I know you could throw Denver and Chicago and. I'd probably those four teams and Carolina. I, Carolina's 0-5, and, and I, I honestly think Carolina would probably beat the Giants right now. I, I do, maybe too. Maybe the Patriots, too. Like, I, I, I see nothing good when I watch the Giants. They get pumped every single week. They're coming up for their fourth primetime game in, like, six weeks this week Why? against the Bills. Why? Daniel Jones is is probably not going to play. Can we get this pushed, please? Yeah. Can, can, can the NFL please change that as a schedule? That's the last thing I want to watch I on a Sunday night. I would rather watch Zach Wilson and the Jets in primetime than this Giants Dude, I team. would rather watch the WNBA for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, please change that, NFL. That's a terrible primetime yeah. match. And like you said, that's already four times in six weeks yeah. for the Giants. No one wants to see this. No I don't even one. think Giants fans no. want this. It's embarrassing for them to have the whole world watch this team get clowned on every single week oh, on primetime. God, after looking at that schedule next week, God, is that ever depressing know. to know that now. Oh, my goodness, man. But Dolphins against the Panthers next week, too. Dolphins will look to put up another 40, 50 points yet again, do what they've been doing. And, uh, yeah, please, please change that primetime game. <laughs> That's a get-right uh, game for the Dolphins' defense, too, versus the Panthers. So see if they can c- try to get some momentum for them on that side of the ball. And speaking of Buffalo, they were in London. London, London England, Tottenham Stadium for this one against the Jacksonville Jags, who... Might just want to make England their new home at this point because they won yet again overseas and in a game where probably not a lot of people were too high on them going into this one. They probably thought Buffalo coming off that huge win against the Dolphins, putting up 48 points, you know, they'd think more of the same and it was actually the Jags walking away with a win and a really good game to kick off the week for uh, the Sunday slate. Yeah, and, and Buffalo had a couple of, you know, Von Miller came back. He's obviously on a pitch count. Um, third play of the game, fourth play of the game, he had a tackle for loss, though. So as he gets ramped up, you know, that defense, he, sh- he should help that defense out. But they took two big losses on that defense with Matt Milano. Uh, I think he broke his leg. And Daquan Jones uh, t- tore his peck, I believe. Those are most likely two season-ending injuries from... I mean, Matt Milano is one of the best linebackers in football, and Daquan Jones was having a really good year for Buffalo. So that's a little bit concerning when you add on top of, you know, Tredavious uh, White tearing his Achilles last week. Um, a little bit of injuries coming for that defense. It's kind of kind of scary. But hopefully Von Miller can, you know, bring bring some juice to that uh, defense in the coming weeks. But, yeah, I thought that... I was pretty impressed with the Jags. Um Trevor Lawrence had two sloppy fumbles. He's, that's been a little bit of a problem through him with him throughout his career. He wa- I want to see him clean that up, but he was throwing the ball extremely well uh, this game against a really good defense. He was making really good throws down the field to Calvin Ridley and company. Calvin Ridley had an, uh, his best game since week one, in my opinion. And uh, I think the story of this game, though, was the Jags' defense. Like Until garbage time, they were they had a really good game plan. Uh, coming into this game one thing is I noticed like they were running a lot of zone coverage but they had uh, Tyson Campbell their best cornerback uh, running man coverage and you don't see that a lot in the NFL uh, in today's game it's something 
you used to see like the Patriots used to do it back in the day with Revis and Pat Peterson and his prime used to do it on the Cardinals. But that's just, you know, they're showing a lot of confidence in their young stud corner to do that. Um, but yeah, the, you know, Travis Etienne had a really good game. Um, I thought this was a pretty impressive performance from the Jags, kind of what I expected them to look like this year then they haven't really yet. So I, I, I'm hoping that they can kind of turn the corner with this and build off this and, and kind of stack some more games like this, Eli. Yeah, this was a huge win. Make no mistake about it. They needed this win in a big way. And uh, yeah, their defense looks spotless for like three and a half quarters. Yeah. And then all hell broke loose. Yeah, that that, yeah. that fourth quarter was just crazy. The I last five I thought that game was over multiple times. And then Josh Allen said, not so fast. I'm going to will this team back into this. So that, that was a pretty wild finish to that game. And uh, yeah, like you said, they, they, had, they had Buffalo very puzzled. For large parts of that game offensively, yeah. they they allowed no run game whatsoever from the Bills, and the Bills run game has been looking and the Bills run game has been looking great this year so far. So that was yeah, that, they passed a huge test there. And like I said, if it wasn't for Josh Allen's like ultimate will to win and will to bring that game back into a respectable game, that could have been a coasting win for the Jags in this one, which was pretty shocking. And like you said, Etienne, a huge huge game for him, over a hundred. 30 yards, 136, two touchdowns on the ground, and another almost 50 yards in the air. So that was really big to get him involved for the first time, really, this year. He hasn't really done yeah. much other than that. And, and like you said, Calvin Ridley, for him to step up again and make some plays when he needed to and get open when he needed to. And, I mean, like, Trevor Lawrence, besides from his two fumbles, he looked flawless, man. Oh, like man. like you said, he was making throws that really only a handful of guys can make. Number one multiple overall times. type shit. Yeah, like he he looked really really good, man, and that that was just a huge win. Like that like the Bills anytime you that win off Miami. Exactly, them, like, exactly. Anytime you're beating a team with Josh Allen at the helm, that's that's a big win to get right and get to three and two and stay above five hundred, especially going into that big divisional matchup against the Colts next week at home. So that's two weeks straight in London, too, yep. for them, right? So that's going to be, like, a little bit of jet lag coming back for that next game. It's, it's not going to be easy for them to get up and be no. ready for that one. So I that was a huge win. My favorite po- uh, point of this game was, like, late late in the fourth when it was third and four. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, he took the snap out of the gun and just took that deep shot to Calvin Ridley down the right sideline. Like, that just shows the faith that Doug Peterson has in his quarterback you know, there's Josh Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert. I don't know if any other coach is putting that kind of confidence in their quarterback in that stage. Of the, like, that's like, you're going to go win me this game right now, you know? A lot of coaches are going to run the ball there, try to eat the clock up, but they were like, no. And, you know, they, they ended up scoring, and Josh Allen made some ridiculous plays after that, like you mentioned, to kind of keep them in the game. But I just thought that was a really telling moment. And like a pivotal moment for the Jags season because their offense hasn't clicked like it did this game all year. And just to still have that kind of faith in Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley, who struggled a bit this year. I mean, that, that that's the kind of uh, confidence a coach can put in you that can, can go a long way in the season. Yeah, no, that's a great point that you make, Jesse. And that's just something that me as a fan of the game, personally, I just love to see that. It's like, let's not try to play safe and not lose this game let's go win this game and if we lose it going out on our sword i i just i love and i respect that and i know that like you say you have to have the right personnel you have to have the right play calling and you have to have the right people to execute so 
there really is only a handful of teams that could do that in moments like that. And it takes nerves to steal from Doug Peterson to make that call and have that trust in his star quarterback and star receiver to show up and do that in a big game like that. So that's something that you love to see as a fan anytime, though, in the league. And I, I, I really thought that was a big play, too. That That's a great, great, great one that you pointed out there. And for Buffalo, like, I think this kind of, you know, I, I actually said that I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. And obviously, I'm, I'm, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Like, they've been pretty good, and this is just a blunder in the road. But I do think, like, this is the fear I have for them is 29 rush yards. Like, that was my whole thing is they're way too much. Like, they rely way too much on Josh Allen, man. Like, they're not going to beat the upper echelon teams in the NFL with not – having like a balanced attack ready right, line like you said their run game has been so good all year um that's just a little bit worrisome for me and on top of the injuries on defense i mean i definitely think buffalo's not going to be as dominant moving forward with those players missing but i don't think it's like a season ender or anything but we'll see this will it's going to show us a lot about what this team is made of moving forward yeah it is because ultimately the afc is wide open and i don't mean just like in each division i mean like even for the wild card spots like this is going to come right down to the last week for probably four or five teams to get one spot so these games all matter and they're all going to add up fast and losses will add up and hurt big by the end of the year so yeah this wasn't really a game that they could afford to lose and Lucky for them, they they got basically a bye week coming up yeah. next week against the Giants. That's a nice game for Von Miller to have a few more count, uh, snap counts like against that pathetic offensive line. Yeah, that, the... as a Von Miller fan, I, I'm really excited for that. I hope you eat Von. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think it gets any worse than that for a primetime game. I just can't, <laughs> really can't get my head around that one. Chief, Chief Broncos is pretty bad, too. A couple, a couple, really shit, couple shitter primetime games. Yeah, at, at least I know the Broncos could score points no, yeah, matter, no, how many, right. no matter how many they're getting put up against <laughs> yeah. them. Like They could at least score. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Speaking of scoring, there was a lot of it in this game. First game of the week was Chicago versus the Washington Commanders. Woo! Best name in football. Uh yeah, this was just the DJ Moore show, really. Um, eight catches, 230 yards, three touchdowns. Lucky for me, I was going up against DJ Moore in fantasy this week, so I had no fucking hope right from Thursday to win my matchup this week. So that was great. So I, I just took it easy. I knew I had the loss on the board. Stress-free weekend. Yeah, got it out of the way fast. Thank you, DJ Moore, for that one, putting up 50 fantasy points or whatever the hell it was. It was a seriously crazy game. Seriously, big game once again from Justin Fields. He didn't really connect on a lot of his passes, but the ones he did, he made the most of. That's four touchdowns in a row for two games straight for Justin Fields, and he's silencing a lot of critics by doing that. I don't really care what team you're doing it against in the NFL. If you're producing like that, you deserve kudos 100%. So well done, Justin Fields. Big win for the Bears. On the flip side, uh... It's weird because I thought Sam Howell has now played two of his best games in a row as a young quarterback in the NFL. He admirably led them against the Eagles, almost managed to get that win in overtime against the Eagles in that one, and he had a great game, man. He got he got hammered yet again five times, five sacks, but he was very efficient. Otherwise, I saw him making way quicker decisions than he's been making so far this year, even in that game against the Eagles. He looked like he understood what he needed to do and how fast he needed to get the ball out for the most part. 
it's a great game. You just, you know, just not enough against a, a defense that just got straight up torched on the night. So, yeah, that's, that's, that was my main two takeaways from that game. Yeah, Sam Howell, for a guy making, like, his, I think that was, like, his sixth start. Yeah. Uh, he, he put some of the damnedest throws on his tape. I mean, he's doing, he's making throws that not a lot of guys are making six starts in. My only knock with him is he just needs to learn to, like, when to give up on a play. You know, he, he takes a little, like, I know they're trying all, to be a hero too often. Too much hero sure. ball. Like that offensive line sure. is not great. You know, a lot of the sacks are on them. Some of the sacks are on him. But he just he needs to know when to get rid of that ball so he's not taking these unnecessary hits. Even when you know, I love it. Like on that scramble, he's trying to run through tackles and break tackles. But you're a quarterback, man. You're so, so important. Like he's not a big guy either. He's not no, like a Josh Allen that no, can exactly. take these huge hits. Exactly. Like you're so important to this team. You got to know when to slide and when to get out of bounds. That's like my only real knock. I don't even like. I think that he'll just the more he plays, he'll kind of grow out of that. But yeah, Justin Fields. I played him in fantasy. I couldn't believe it. Guy torched me. I also lost. So the boys are down bad this week. But uh, he was yeah. He he had two hundred and eighty two yards, and two hundred and thirty of them were to DJ Moore. So crazy. Pretty hilarious. You know they. I want to like DJ Moore is a superstar, but you want to see some of these other guys get involved. He, he had three receivers catch a ball in yeah. this game and, and one of them and was they a tight up, end right <laughs> and they put up 40 points yeah. i mean it's pretty yeah it's 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 kind of crazy to wrap your head around that when you look at it from a statistical standpoint yeah. but i mean it was a big win for the chicago it's a Bears, huge so. win and it was a huge loss for the commanders who could have went to three and two on the year i mean like they dropped three straight now, yeah they right? dropped three straight after starting the year pretty well and i mean they got it they had to have looked at that as a very winnable matchup on paper and i mean well they were favored to win that and, yeah exa- and like magic johnson said he's a he's one of the owners for them Washington came out and played with no juice like they were so flat in that first half you could tell what team was hungry you could tell what team was playing for their coach I don't know if I, I'm not like I, I respect Ron Rivera you know cancer survivor played football multiple time coach of the year but in my opinion it kind of looks like he's losing the locker room a little bit um, I just question his passion you yeah know, he kind of just has this stone cold look to him all the time and I get it you're a composed guy but like your players like in the NFL, we're talking alpha males. Yeah. We're talking fire, man. We're talking guys who love competitiveness. They love to see their coaches get jacked up. Yeah. They love to watch Dan Campbell get hyped as fuck for the Detroit Lions, and it feeds into the way that they play. Like, 100%. And I, I, I hate to say it because I, I agree with you, and I think he's a great guy on and off the field, but I, I want to see more passion from him. I want to see him get jacked up about something and, you know, throw throw some bodies around, show, you know, what, whatever it has to be, like, get, get your players sparked up, man, because they love it, dude. It's a great point you make, because coming out of halftime, when whoever the, the, the announcer was that was asking him, like, what'd you, what'd you say to the, to the guys to get them motivated, and he was like, oh, I, I didn't say anything, I let them do the talking, like, what? That's you, not what you want like, from your head Like, coach. what? It was like 27 to 3 at halftime, and you're, you're not saying a word, like, I get that, you want them to show some fire, but... They're going to react off you, man. Like, you're the coach of the team. you got to instill it, the will into them and, and show them, like, hey, we're not out of this. Like, they just did that in the first 30 minutes. We're capable of doing that these last 30 minutes. Like, let's go out there and show the world, prove the world. And I don't see any of that with him. And I, I'm not a huge fan of that, you know, like... I know myself personally, I loved when my coach got fired up and got into it and like even grilled me when I made a bad play or something, you know, like that's what brings the best out of some people, man. And you just, I don't see it with him. And 
especially when you have their offense looking this this good. It's the best off their offense has looked in years. A and long Eric, time. Eric Bieniemy since probably Cousins, I guess. Exactly, and and Eric Bieniemy being the OC and and them having a new owner like Bieniemy should be the head coach. I think he will be, be after this yeah. year because you see how well Sam Howell is playing. Uh, they're not gonna want to let Eric Bieniemy leave, no. and it and it's a new owner. The owner didn't hire Rivera or anything like that, so he has no like, like he's not loyal to him or anything, and it's just something to monitor, man. Yeah, it really is, and like like you say, at halftime for him to say that he said nothing, and the definition of coach is leadership. Yeah, and if you're not willing to take accountability and actually produce leadership in a moment like that when your team got so properly hammered in the first half it's kind of like absolutely mind-blowing for him to come out and say that really you think that that's how mike tomlin has never had a losing season by just going in there at halftime and just letting the boys talk yeah that guy is a leader of men this isn't a friends group you know (laughs) this is a business at the end of the day and your your job is to actually motivate this team to play their best and your job is to reprimand when they're not playing their best so yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't ever want to call on someone to lose their job. I'm not even I, saying that. I'm not just, about that. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it is you're, a you're a coach. You you're a coach for a reason, and you're a coach to be a leader. So and he's you, a good coach, man. Yeah. Like, he's a multi-time coach of the year. He's his team has made it to Super Bowl before, you know. And he's also a player. Like he was a player on that ni- uh, that 1985 Bears defense. Yeah, I mean, when they have the camera on him, he doesn't even blink. I know. You know what I mean? I it's like it's almost it's like he's chilling, staring but, through yeah, space at times. Like he's not even processing what the hell's going on out there. So I do I do question his uh his passion. Yeah, right just now. his passion at this point really. And uh yeah, anyways, I guess they'll turn their attention to the Falcons next week, try to bounce back, get back on track, get back to 500. I mean, I I think that'll be a good game. Be a good e- game either way, sure. one way or another for sure. Is so that a, do you know if that's 10 a.m. game so is it in Washington in 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 Atlanta, so it's oh, going to be difficult. I think in Desmond Ritter baby. I think the it's real Desmond I, I think it's the Riddler yet again coming yeah. through, staying undefeated, but we'll see and uh the Chicago Bears, I mean, who the hell are they playing the Vikings? I mean, that's another Without look, Justin Jefferson. Dude, look for Fields to throw another four touchdowns because that Viking secondary is like pretty questionable at best. Bears too, might, so. might low-key be the second-best team in that division. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> might, they might be looking to make a run for a big second-place finish at like a 6-11 six six and 11 11, record yeah, or something. 12, yeah, yeah. yeah that, might, that might be enough to get the job done. It's a real possibility. So, uh, yeah, I guess that'll wrap it up for us. I think we've touched on everything. Uh, we want to just uh, hop to the Gridiron Gang performers of the week from here, and we have our offensive player of the week. This was a close one, but it did go to the aforementioned DJ Moore for the incredible eight catches, 230 yards, and three touchdowns in this game. Jamar Chase obviously was the second choice with a huge explosion in that one, but that's against a Lower competition in the Cardinals. So this one's going to more. That was a huge game for them to get off the uh, winless streak right there. So, yep, big one. Big ups to him. Jesse? Uh, defensive player, the uh, the Gridiron Gang defensive player performer of the week. We're going to go with Max Crosby. He had four tackles for a loss, a, a sack, and a handful of pressures. Uh, like we said, he's got the most games with four-plus pressures in the league over the last three seasons with 23 just a true game breaker and coordinator slash coach of the week. We're going to go with Kyle Shanahan because I think a lot of people thought San Fran was a better team. I just don't know how many people thought they were going to smash the Cowboys 42, 10. 
He had the boys ready to go. He had the play calling ready to go. So just a big shout out to him too. Yeah, I mean, what a beatdown in a game where everyone was so highly anticipated. Uh, rookie of the week once again. <laughs> I don't know how else it could go to anyone but Devon A. Chain. 11 carries, 151 yards, and a touchdown, almost hitting 22 miles an hour speed yet again. It's going to be really sad to not see him for the next four weeks minimum going forward for this Miami team. So I want to give him a big shout out. Get better, get healthy. Everyone wants to watch you play. It doesn't matter what team you're a fan on. He's a true young superstar in this game. And yeah, we're looking forward to having him back out on the field in a few weeks time, hopefully. So, uh, That'll do it. That'll wrap it up. This is the Gridiron Gang podcast. We are back finally, thankfully. Every everything's all good here now. So we're looking forward to getting back at it again next week for sure. Yeah, we'll keep the content rolling again. Sorry for missing last week. We were just dealing with some stuff, but we're back. We're better than ever. We're more motivated than ever. I'm off my deathbed. Shit got real. I powered through it. Yeah. I'm gonna be back at it. Kids Bring... looking lean and mean, baby. Yeah, way too fat, but I'm getting there. Let's let's get back to it. And uh yeah, we're looking forward to it next week. So we'll be back here and we'll be hoping to have everyone along with us. Shout out all our UK fans out in London. We love we're you guys. Still bringing all that content to you guys and yeah shout out to our big fans out in new york seattle everywhere worldwide we're reaching you we're getting there we want more more of you to keep coming at us keep telling us what you want us to talk about if you want us to break things down any differently you can always get at us at our gmail gridirongangpod at gmail you can mention content anywhere that you want on twitter find us instagram yeah. Gridiron Gang Pod. So on Instagram, Gridiron Gang Podcast. On Twitter, Gridiron Gang Pod. Same thing with TikTok, TikTok. and we, yeah, we'll be there. So if you want to ask questions, if you want to be featured, if you want to come on as a guest, like we said, keep getting at us because we love all 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 your feedback. So Gridiron Gang, let's ride. Let's ride, baby. Signing off.